welcome back to the next episode of Lace Up and Listen. I'm your host, Amelia Uphill, aka The Uphill Runner, and as a mum to one-year-old Max and aspiring marathon runner, I'll be sharing insights about how to juggle mum duties while still finding time for running. Each week, I'll bring you a conversation with a different inspiring expert guest to help you maximise your training, whether you're a new mum returning to running postnatally or building up to running marathons and more. There'll be a new episode available every week to keep you company throughout your training or to relax with on a rest day. My guest for this episode is Anne Garrod Morgan. After experiencing five miscarriages, she recently ran the London Landmarks Half Marathon to raise money for the baby charity Tommy's. We're going to be talking about how running has helped Anne Garrod through her multiple losses by giving her headspace and thinking time but also how spending time in nature and using mindful running as a possible distraction from her own thoughts has been just as important. We also discuss running in pregnancy, parent guilt and managing anxiety during pregnancies after loss. Hello, thank you so much for joining me. Hello. I'm really pleased to talk to you today actually, I think this is really it's an important topic to talk about because sometimes it can be quite easily swept under the carpet or people don't tiptoe around it maybe. Yeah, it's um I'll be totally honest, I'm probably just as guilty as anybody before it actually happened to me. Yeah, I can totally understand that. So let's start from the beginning. Let's start with how did you first get involved in running in the first place? Um well, I was running in my 20s, but that was more to do with losing weight and just being fit and it sort of came quite I don't know not nat- yeah naturally I suppose to me I wasn't um the fastest by any means but I I never really did it for enjoyment I think it was just one of those things you sort of did and didn't really think about it um and then I don't know things ha- life happens sort of lost um my fitness and things and then um about a year ago my mum was training for a marathon and I was in quite a bad place at the time and I'd put on a lot of weight so um mum sort of started dragging me out for a better word um and the rest is history as they say I think the last so then the last year like I, I can't be without it mm, I think lots of people as well got quite involved in it in during lockdown as well because it's one of the things that we could still do yeah I'm very lucky with where I live as well. So um, I live in a very beautiful, like, picturesque town with a castle and all sorts of trails that I can go running up. So it's when it started helping with my mental health, I think that was probably part of the reason. I think maybe if I was running in a city, it might not have been, for me anyway, so beneficial. I think part of it was just being outside on my own. Mm, definitely yeah I think that's such a huge help for lots of people to have that time in nature as well as the actual running part of it is having that time in nature isn't it yeah and is there a particular is there a particular running goal that you're working towards or that you'd really really like to do or that you'd like to achieve so um it all started because I was actually my running goal was for the London landmarks half marathon so um that's what I was aiming for originally and now I've got the bug (laughs) I've done um a few uh virtual marathons and I've started looking at ultras so I I don't know I think it'll have to be watch this space because uh 
I, I keep looking at them and I just haven't quite committed yet. Mm, I know, I know that feeling, yeah. I remember first signing up to my first 10K and I'd done 5Ks before I thought, yeah, I'm going to go for it, I can do a 10K. Then answer, as soon as I'd done that, I was like, mm, maybe I could sign up for a 10 mile. And then I did that, I did a couple, uh, I think I did one of those, one race. And then I thought, mm, I'm going to go for half. And I thought, my mar- a marathon would be a ma- a, my ultimate goal. But then I'm thinking, oh, so many people say they do a marathon and they think, oh, yeah, just have a look at ultras. I just see where else I can push it or see if I can find the hilliest thing to do or like running up a mountain. Or I think once you get the bug, you just kind of, yeah, you think that you're going to stop at half a marathon or something. And then you think, maybe I can go a bit further. <laughs> I think it's getting out of control because I just can't decide on which one to do. Because um, like I said, living in Wales, there's quite a lot of um, beautiful ones to do. And I'm. I love a theme as well. So there's one that I've seen that's like a pirate themed one. And I was like, that sounds like so much fun. But um, it's just, yeah, like I said, it's just committing to it going on. Is it just a sort of a great idea and then I'll forget about it. So I think uh, I might leave it till the end of this year and sort of plan for next year. It's nice to have something coming up in advance and to know you're focusing towards. But sometimes, yeah, it's a lot. It's a big commitment, isn't it? To focus, to sign up to something like a whole marathon or even a half marathon. Yeah. How did you find the London Landmarks half marathon? I absolutely loved it. Um, I think because we were were supposed to do it last year. um, But obviously, COVID and everything, it didn't happen. Um, And I hadn't actually... I tried to train for it and I kept sort of starting and stopping so I was like well if I have to walk it I have to walk it and this time I ran it um, and I'd done the training and it was just I think because we'd waited so long for it and we made a weekend of it and we did it together and we, uh, me and my partner we ran around the whole way together it was um it was just it felt quite special and um we were raising money for Tommy's as well who organized the race um and I think it was just a, a very big, overwhelming feeling of, um, I don't know, happiness and sort of a sense of achievement. Because we, like I said, we've been waiting so long for it. And it wasn't just the running, it was the um, the raising money as well, which is always hard to ask people. Yeah, especially in times like these. But I think people, yeah, for charities like Tommy's, I think people try and dig deep where they can, I don't know, because so many people have got their own experiences or similar experiences, I suppose. Yeah, and I think um, because I do talk so openly about my miscarriages, I think um, a lot of, I found out a lot of other people have lost babies and they've never spoken about it. Um, and other people have, like, have no idea about uh, like our journey and the fact that we've, you know, locally, a lot of people didn't even know that I'd had any and you know they still make the comments like oh isn't it about time you got on it and that sort of thing and then when you start talking about why you're doing it I think um just raising the awareness made people a lot more generous yeah I suppose it's the awareness as well as the money isn't it um yeah yeah and then when yeah when people realize that's when yeah it starts to kind of hit home a bit more maybe and they realize how how common it can be and how many people are experiencing it and maybe like you say not saying anything at the time do you mind me asking how you felt when the first time you found out you were pregnant what feeling was that and then what happened when you started to realize things were going wrong um so the first pregnancy wasn't planned it was a bit of a surprise (laughs) 
Um, me and my partner hadn't actually been together that long. I think we'd only been together about six months. Um, so it came as a bit of a shock initially. And then I think it didn't take long before we both realised that's what we wanted and got very, very excited over it. Um, I had a bit of bleeding early on, so I did have an early scan and um, they said everything was fine. So still got excited over it and so start making plans as you do and um, I don't know, looking looking up different things and looking at baby clothes and baby names and all that sort of thing. And then we went to our 12 week scan and we'd actually lost the baby uh, eight weeks. So that, um, the baby stopped growing then. Oh, right. Like a missed miscarriage then. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. Um, yeah, so that was really hard. Um, yeah, because when you go to that scan and you think everything's okay. Yeah, and, you know, like I'd, there was a few social events we were supposed to be doing and things. So we'd sort of done a little mini announcement to our friends already because we'd had the early scan. And you don't even think that anything's going to go wrong. Like, I'll be honest, it, miscarriages is just something I'd seen on TV at the time. I didn't think I knew anybody who'd had one. So, um, I mean, obviously, since I've opened up, I found out that's not true. But, um, yeah, so the first one was definitely the hardest for us because I think after the first one, it sort of became an expectation that we weren't going to have because I always bled about the same time. We always sort of thought it was going to end, you know, you sort of expect the worst to try and protect yourself. So it's quite hard to stay positive. Yeah, that's that's such a difficult position to be in because I'm sure that every even people who haven't experienced a miscarriage think, oh, what if something does go wrong? Oh, I don't know. I, I felt quite like that uh, um, when I was pregnant. But once you've had it actually happen to you and then you you feel like you can't, I don't know if you feel like you can't plan or you can't, or obviously you can't assume things are going to go right. It must be such a difficult to find that balance of being excited and then but yeah like you say preparing for the worst yeah because I I quite often feel guilty for not getting excited because I always think how is that baby I know the baby doesn't know but how would that baby feel if that baby is the one that works out that you're not excited for it and I know that sounds like a really ridiculous thing to say but it's just all the stupid things that go through your head so you're there trying to be positive and you're not it's it's just it's a really difficult time to navigate emotional emotion wise and if we bring it back to running a little bit then um would you have always planned to keep running throughout a pregnancy do you think that uh is that um I know you said that you 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 went to the 12 week scan but you realized you'd lost the baby at eight weeks the first time had you been running or anything during that time or was that pre when you were doing your running again or were you very active at that point? I think I was sort of running on and off then. Um, so I, as soon as I started started bleeding, I stopped running. Um, and that's based on the advice of the nurses. Um, because I think that if, as much as I feel like I'd be okay doing it and I'm strong enough and I'd, I'd slow down and what have you um, to not overdo myself, I always think that if something happens and I've gone against their advice, then again, that would be my fault, even though I know it's not my fault. It's it's going back to the guilt. Yeah, it's so hard to not feel guilty, even though people tell you it's... I know, I feel 
it sounds a bit like brushing it off to say it's one of those things, but it's, I don't know if it, it's hard to say, say, say it meaning that it's not your fault. But when you say, oh, it's just one of those things sound like it's something that didn't matter. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Um, I think with anything, I mean, even, you know, my sister's got two kids and um, I think even when you get to a parent, you feel guilty about other things. You know, I think that's just part and parcel of it. Um, yeah, parent guilt just starts, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think uh, it just starts a bit earlier for me, maybe, because of um, our history. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like... With the first one, when I looked back at what happened at eight weeks, I happened to be on a hen party at that exact day and having a massage. And I was like, well, should I not have had a massage? Should I have not gone in the pool or should I not have done this? Like, there's no evidence to say that any of that would have affected it whatsoever. And we've had tests and things, so we know there's other reasons behind it. But I remember feeling so guilty for going on that spa weekend, thinking that I'd caused it for such a long time. It's take like it's taken me a long time to accept it wasn't it wasn't my fault. Yeah, all the thoughts that run through your mind, I'm sure, just thinking, was there anything that you could have done to to prevent it? But of course, how could you know at the time? It was, it's so difficult to look back and think, well, I should have done this, I shouldn't have done that. But like you say, if there's no evidence to make a difference, then yeah, it's we we. You can't let yourself blame yourself, um, even though it's so difficult. Do you think in general women can, well, obviously women do feel guilty um, when they miscarry or lose a baby, but do you think there's any any professionals maybe that can increase that feeling of guilt? That, For example, with running, if you had been running more, do you think they might have been saying, oh, well, you did do this, that and the other? Or... Was it just really supportive? How was your experience? Yeah, from my experience, so I've had the same nurse through all my miscarriages um, and she's never made me feel guilty um, for the miscarriage. There's been occasions where, um, so on my fifth, my last miscarriage, I lost symptoms at six weeks and I rang her up and I said, oh, I know, I've lost the symptom, all symptoms, I know something's wrong. And she scanned me and there's a heartbeat. She's like, no, no, you're fine. And then by the Friday, I'd started passing clots. So I went back in for another scan and I said, you know, it's, it started, it's happening. Um, and there was a heartbeat. She's like, no, no, you know, it's, it's, you've been silly, it's fine. Like, I can understand why you're worried, but absolutely fine, there's a heartbeat. And in less than 24 hours, I'd passed the whole pregnancy. So I remember that feeling of um, not feeling like they believed me when I knew knew in myself that there was something wrong. And I knew, I I mean, I could see the heartbeat, but I just sort of looked at it and I was like, okay, um, but it's, it's not, it's not going to be there tomorrow. And I, um, and I knew in my heart of hearts and everybody, like, you know, when I talked to my, um, family and my partner and stuff they're like oh well you know there's a heartbeat you've got to stay positive and I don't know why there was just something that told me it wasn't going to be okay and I think that's the hardest bit is when you're proven right and I know that sounds like a weird thing to say but yeah you want you want to be proven wrong absolutely you want to you want it to all go okay despite everything that you're feeling yeah yeah absolutely I can I can understand that completely 
Yeah, so I've never been, yeah, so I've never felt guilty. She's never made me feel guilty for um, anything I've done, but I have gone in there feeling like I'm a little bit silly for saying, oh, you know, my boobs don't hurt anymore. No, I, I don't know. Maybe it's some sort of, yeah, like an instinct, I'm sure. I, yeah. I'm, I'm having experience, having unfortunately experienced it several times prior to that. I don't know if it's just something that's like a familiar feeling. I don't know. Has it felt similar every time or? Yeah, I've, every, yeah, every every time I've sort of gone, it's it's happening or we've lost it before we've had the scan. Do you think that having had this experience in a future pregnancy or any pregnancy that uh, came along um, after these miscarriages, if it was if you hadn't had any bleeding, for example, or it seemed to be going quote unquote like a normal pregnancy, um, would you think about carrying on running during that pregnancy? So I am seven weeks pregnant at the moment. Um, so I found out on the Monday and I was running the London landmarks on the Sunday following it. So I had a choice then and I, I wasn't bleeding at the time or anything. So um, and it was still early on. And I asked the nurse, oh, you know, can I still do it? I've been training. I was um, obviously very excited to do it. And she said, I wouldn't if I were you. So I had a big, long, hard think about it. And I actually decided to run it based on the fact that um I mean I wear a watch I can go by my heart rate I did it an extra half an hour than I'd planned to do it because I was hoping for a PB but I slowed it down just to make sure that I could try and do it at a safe pace um but it just felt like I've waited like a year and a half for this race and I might not have a baby in two weeks time because that's that now is traditionally the time that in every other pregnancy I've lost it so I was there like I've missed out on quite a lot of stuff and if, obviously if the pregnancies had worked out I would not feel this way about it but there's a lot of things I've put my life on hold for and because the pregnancies haven't worked out I've felt quite bitter about that um and obviously if I had a healthy baby here and that that is obviously the end goal um I probably wouldn't feel like that at all. You know, I'd be very grateful that I'd missed, I don't know, one night out for um, a baby. Um, but when you get to pregnancy number six, you can't help but sort of think, well, other people do it. I, I felt like I did it safely and I've seen the heartbeat twice since then. So as far as I'm concerned, I haven't, I'm not going to feel guilty about it because the baby is still alive you know, today I consider myself still pregnant. So that's how I'm trying to stay positive. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, there are so many, obviously every pregnancy is different and everybody has a different experience or experiences, but there was so many, so much more evidence coming out about how you can run safely or exercise safely in pregnancy. Um, so if you, and as well, like you say, it's a feeling, a feeling for yourself if you feel like you've done it safely for you. And yeah. I think it makes total sense to say that you've put other things on hold before and uh, if it's not going to be something that you've done that's causing it like one particular like that particular event for example yeah then it makes total sense to go through it and 
to not feel guilty about it and to be grateful to have still had the chance to do it. Did it play a factor, the fact that it was the, the that you were raising money through it? Um, yeah, so nobody knew that we were pregnant when we ran. Well, not many people know now that I'm pregnant. Um, but when I when I ran it, no, obviously nobody knew. So I sort of kept it as a secret until afterwards. And then I did get a few comments afterwards saying oh well do you think you should have run you know if I were you and your history I wouldn't have run it I don't know it's not very helpful to have those comments after the fact is it really because you've done, you've already done it but I think it's still probably coming from a well-meaning place I suppose yeah but there's nothing you can do now to, to not run it <laughs> yeah I know that's the one thing I've learned throughout though is take things the way people mean it and not the way they say it because some people say things which come across hurtful and it I don't think it's meant hurtful. I think they're trying to be helpful. Um, so that's one thing I have learned um, is you have to sort of try and not get offended by what people say as much and take it with the meaning, you know, with how they want it to be come across. But, um, yeah, I think it made the marathon the half marathon more special the fact that I was pregnant the reason we were raising money was for a baby charity if this works out or it doesn't work out I mean obviously we're hoping with all our hearts that it does um but if it doesn't I will still look back and be glad that I did it and I know you spoke a little bit at the beginning about in general how running was sort was and running locally where you live and all the nature and the scenery um helped you with your mental health do you think that the fact that you'd you've had your had um sorry the fact that you've lost babies and you've been able to run after that or sort of throughout that has that been something that's helped you has the running again been something to help your well I suppose mental health mainly um throughout all this experience does that give you something to focus on as I don't know I I don't know you tell me (laughs) yeah um so, yeah, it's helped my mental health massively. I mean, I've lost weight through running, so that's helped with my confidence just in general. But I think the sense that there's so many factors to running. So, you know, when, as you're getting better, and I love the little medals you get on Strava and the little achievements and what have you, because then you come back from a run and you get like a little gold or silver or whatever, and you're like, oh, I am improving, um, to the point where I did actually do a virtual marathon last September October I think um with my mum so um there was a lot of walking in it um don't get me wrong I didn't run the whole way I wasn't at my fittest but the fact that I achieved running like you know 26.2 miles was just immense um you know I when I started running I couldn't I couldn't run a mile from you know from here to the end of the road so the fact that I could do that I think just helps with your confidence so much and sometimes you process a lot of things like I've I've cried so much when I'm running but then I've also laughed when I'm running like I've had every emotion when I'm out sometimes you something could be bothering you like I I tend to bottle things up quite a lot or I did I'm not I'm a lot better now but um, if I go for a run, I tend to process them a lot more. So if I need a good cry, then running helps. <laughs> I just sort of 
start crying mid-run for no reason, but like you get back and you, you feel so much better and lighter somehow. I can relate to that feeling as well. That I've um, um, I've had quite a few runs recently where actually I've just had no headphones or anything. I just you know go and it's your space. It's a time to think and just yeah. When it's when life is hectic as well, it's that chance to yeah to be able to think about everything's going on that's going on or um, without uh, without being interrupted perhaps. Yeah. So because I used to, well, I still run with my headphones sometimes, but there's been occasions where I feel forgotten to wear my headphones and it's not until I'm about a mile or two miles in that I've realized and it hasn't even bothered me and it used to be that I couldn't leave the house without the headphones so yeah it's definitely helpful and it's um I actually uh so after the fifth miscarriage I actually started having bereavement therapy and one of her suggestions was while you're out running to notice so because obviously we were in lockdown at the time, so I could only do the same routes. You know, you couldn't go drive anywhere or anything like that. So she um, suggested, you know, like start noticing things. And every time you go out, try and find five new things that you've not seen before. Or um, try and pick five colours or, you know, try and challenge yourself to find something on your run. And I think that's when the whole mindfulness with running kicked in for me because I just started to enjoy it and started noticing around me and I um you know in the more if it went for a morning run I'd notice the um birds singing a lot more than I do if I go midday so when I changed them runs as well I noticed different things at different times of the day and then if you go in the evening I'd come across more deer and foxes and things like that um so that was actually probably one of the most helpful pieces of advice I was ever given um, to go for a run. I'm not really a mindful person. I'm, I've, I've always thought of that sort of thing that was you sort of sat there and meditated. I never sort of bought into it. So when I had, um, when she told me mindfulness could be anywhere and I started doing that, that was probably the, when running became for my mental health and I started feeling so much better after a run yeah I think you can get quite easily especially if you are doing the same route a lot which I've done a lot in lockdown as well you can just sort of get kind of almost on autopilot in a way and then you're thinking and why am I doing this or is am I just doing this out sort of out of habit do I really enjoy this but if you yeah I started noticing um on one of the routes I do there's somebody who's got a, a little fairy door on their tree outside of their their front garden and in the past few weeks I've noticed every time I've gone past they seem to add something or change something or I don't know if it's like something just for children <laughs> probably not for adults <laughs> but I just think oh yeah there's a there's a I can't remember what they had the last time I went or they put it uh something like in um a new little lamp outside or something one day and then the next week there was something else instead and I thought oh yeah actually starting to notice these things it's yeah it brings you back it makes it much more enjoyable and um rather than just a habit or something you feel like you've got to do because you're training for whatever you're training for yeah I think that's what it was because running can get quite monotonous even um even when you choose different routes I mean there's only so many different routes you can do from your door as well so um I think I was just at that stage where 
I think I, I was just, because I was very down anyway, you know, I don't want to use the word depressed, but I wasn't in a happy place. Um, so I think just sort of bringing you back into the present sometimes helps as well. So you're not, as much as running helps me think about a lot of things, sometimes I overthink on a run as well. It, it can it can be sort of a double-edged sword. So I think when I first started, it helped me. And then I went through a bit of a phase where I was just overthinking because that's what I did on a run was thinking about um, baby loss or I used to listen to baby loss podcasts, which really helped me initially. But then all of a sudden I started becoming a bit obsessed. So that's when I started listening to comedy or running or music or nothing at all. So I think changing it up when, like when I realised that I wasn't um, in the best place or if I'd gone back again was probably the best thing I could have done. Obviously, you've been very open today and you're very open on your Instagram, for example, as well. How do you think that sharing that your story or your experiences has helped you and can help others as well? I mean, it's the scariest thing I've ever done, I think, um, sharing my story on Instagram. And originally, I was a bit silly and I didn't know how to set it to private. So I thought, oh, nobody will know who I am. And then all of a sudden, all all these people locally started following me that, you know, were friends on my other Instagram and on um, Facebook and things. But I think it's got me a lot. I mean, I've made friends that I've never even met on um, online and what have you. Um, I've had so many people message me, which is so lovely. Um, well, it's not lovely, but they've... Um, they found comfort in me sharing my story because they're not strong enough to open up about theirs. But in me sharing makes them not feel so alone. So basically they've gone through similar experiences, but they don't want to, you know, which is absolutely fine. I didn't want to share for the first three, four losses. So um, yeah, they found comfort in knowing that they're not the only person going through that. And I think because I've been so real, like I've shown the good and the bad um I think I think it's just being on it like being honest and not sugarcoating it but also not you know I'm not my whole page isn't about just being depressed because I've lost babies because that's not what life is about you've got to carry on living and I think that's helped a lot of people as well because I think sometimes when you follow from my experience when you follow um people that just talk about their baby loss it can sort of be a bit of a hole and as comforting as it is at some point sometimes you you have got to move on you need to have a bit of space perhaps which sounds like it's really easy for me to say and when you're in that I know it's not you know all you want to do you know everybody's like so for me it was like well I've lost my baby um so you sort of want not wallow in your grief but it is all consuming grief because you've lost your baby and you know people can it can be an early miscarriage it could be late or infant it's still a loss and a loss is a loss it doesn't matter I think a lot of people go oh well at least it was only you know six weeks and I mean I've tried to justify my losses that way as well and go at least it was only six weeks at least it wasn't at 20 weeks or at least I didn't have to make the decision you know like other people have it worse off than me and because you say things like that, I think you don't process or um, give your grief 
the space it needs because I think um I mean you, you've got to grieve but it's quite easy to get wrapped up in that as well so then there is a point where you've got to go okay well we need to move on now I mean I, I've protected my heart I've said no to going to baby showers I've lost contact with friends because I felt like their um friendships weren't helpful to me um in the situation that I was in at the time but then I've also gained amazing new friends and I've done amazing things like I don't know that I would have run a half marathon around London had I not have lost babies you know like other things have come out of it and I don't think that I would have talked so honestly about anything else in my life had I not felt that other people had helped me um so yeah I think because my page is a bit of a split I think that's why a lot of people find comfort in it because they don't feel guilty for doing something for themselves yeah that makes a lot of sense what's the thing that's or I don't know if you've got one thing in particular but what's something that you found that has been something that really has really worked that people have done that has supported you really well I know you've spoken a little bit about what people have done that perhaps wasn't was well intended but wasn't quite right or perhaps didn't react as well as they should have or could have but what's what's been one thing that's been really supportive for you throughout uh, um throughout the times that you've lost your babies yeah just acknowledging it if I'm being totally honest um mm. I get why some people feel awkward and it's easier just to sort of not acknowledge it and you know just um not talk about these things or feel awkward or, and they don't know what to say but I think when people do acknowledge it or ask how you are or um and they'll, they'll always say you know like um so a lot of my friends I know they want to ask us about whether we're having tests done or um what our plans are and things so they'll ask and they say if you don't want to talk about it it's fine and I think that helps as well because it puts the boundary on like it's it's up to me to set the boundary um rather than feeling like they're just sort of digging for gossip they are actually it feels like they're there to care that's it yeah finding that yeah between not saying anything but then feeling like they're asking too much yeah so because they've set not they've let me set the boundary and said if you don't want to talk about it it's fine I tend to feel a lot more um relaxed and I'll just probably tell them a bit more than they wanted to know um but I think that's the important thing is knowing just letting that person know that you're there if you need them but equally if they don't want to talk about it they don't have to because not everybody wants to talk about it not everybody is as open you know I wasn't this open after the first one I just sort of brushed it under the carpet and was a bit like yeah I just sort of didn't want to talk about it with anybody because I always used to get so upset and then I felt like I was embarrassing myself by getting upset talking about it yeah everybody's going through the like you say the grieving process differently or different time scales or all that sort of thing I suppose so it's it's per, of course it's personal to every everybody who's experiencing it yeah and I think when you lose a, a friend or a family member or something like that every, everybody knows about it and everybody will you know send you their condolences and ask you how you are or they send some baking around the house and send you flowers but when it's with a uh, baby I don't think people know how to be this um the same way it's, it's almost like 
with an adult you know so um if it's a grandparent or something like that people know how to react because traditionally you send a card and you go to a funeral and you do this but when it's an early miscarriage and a lot of people didn't even know you were pregnant it's a it's a lot more it's a lot more difficult to navigate how to um how to be around that person I suppose and I get that and I can I can acknowledge that because I mean this is it's four years on since our first miscarriage but I I probably wasn't as understanding four weeks after the first one if that makes sense okay um if people do want to follow your how your story progresses or anything um or maybe get in contact with you or if they've experienced something similar or they've got a friend who's experienced something similar um how can people follow your story um so i just i've only set up an instagram account which is um miscarriage underscore two underscore marathon and uh yeah i'm sure yeah it's helpful for like I say people who've experienced something similar but also people who've got friends who've experienced something similar and they like you say might not know what to say or how to feel or how to be around them or without upsetting them more and it's nice to to have that sort of I don't know how to phrase it either but to see like yeah it's just basically seeing someone being open about it and saying what they would or wouldn't like or how they do or don't feel or how how they're how they're coping and what they're doing to cope with what they're going through okay thank you so much um I don't know if you want to say anything else about if people want to donate any money to Tommy's yeah so I've actually got my own just giving page which is actually on a link with my Instagram that me and my partner had but um yeah or if um, anybody needs any help as well the Tommy's website is amazing for that um and they've got their own grief counsellors. So if you can't get referred to one, they've actually got um, people you can speak to and it's all on their website. Um, so I did find that quite comforting in the last miscarriage, if that helps anybody. OK, thank you. Whether you're a new mum thinking about starting your postpartum exercise journey or you're working your way through Couch to 5K, if you've got a new post-baby PB or you're listening along on a gentle jog, share your experiences using the hashtag LaceUpAndListen to be in with a chance of featuring on next week's episode as our Lace Up and Listener of the Week. Maybe you've been inspired by Ang Harrod to try some mindful running or to sign up to a race to raise money for a charity close to your heart. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, share and leave a review. If you have suggestions for potential topics or future guests, then I'd love to hear from you too. You can contact or tag me on Instagram at the Uphill Runner, or use the hashtag LaceUpAndListen. And that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. There'll be another episode available next week at the same time. If you can't wait that long, don't forget you can still download and listen to all the previous episodes, including from Series 1 and 2. Looking forward to running with you next time.